This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is episode 13, this one. Unlucky for some. Ha, not me. My guest this week is Australian comedian, radio host, and everyone's mate, Geraldine Hickey. One of my favourite people in the Australian comedy scene. Jess is a great example to everyone that if you stick at it, you don't know what's around the corner. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Geraldine Hickey, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Ta-da! Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me in your beautiful living room here it's over nice. in Collingwood. I won't say the address so you don't get fans knocking on the door. Oh, yeah. It's a good idea, but it is a very nice location. I love yeah. it. Very easy to find. It's great. Yeah. And uh, I've just met your two dogs, Harry and Lloyd, yeah. and uh, they're both sitting beside you either side yeah. <laughs> on the couch. Lloyd's currently getting a belly rub. <laughs> Loves and it. Thoroughly enjoying it. Harry looks to be asleep on the other side there. Yeah, she's pretty chilled out most mm. of the time. Mm. She's quite a manipulative little dog though. I did notice that when I came in. Yeah. yeah. She she'll if someone comes past, she'll give a little she doesn't care too much. Or even if no one's walking past, she'll give a bit of roof. And then Lloyd will be like, what? There's something going on. <laughs> and then, you know, so Lloyd's barking at the window and then Harry's in Lloyd's bed. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd is probably, I would say, 15 times heavier than yep. than Harry. Yep. Um, we're talking like three kilos versus 45, but she is definitely the boss. Absolutely. Um, and he's, he's got no... Um, that's him shaking, if you can hear that rattle <laughs> as well. He's got ball patches on his <laughs> legs. That's from when Harry, when they play with each other, and she just bites all the <laughs> pulls all the fur off his the back of his leg. The exact height of her head. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Now, um, you grew up in Albury, Albury Wodonga, New South Wales. Yeah, uh, I'm country New South Wales person as well. How was that growing up in Albury? What was that like? You were born there. Born there. Uh, I had. Um, you know, it was it was good. I had, I had a big family, so I had I've got three older sisters and an older brother and a younger sister. Um, mum was at home most of the time. Although I remember when we were quite young, she'd um like had hospitality jobs, you know, worked in some pubs and stuff. Um, but most of the time she was just home looking after us or other children. Like we'd have quite often after school we'd had other kids coming on. Like yeah. mum was a bit of a and nanny, yeah. Um, and dad was an interstate truck driver, so he was away quite a bit. Um, right. But it meant it was fun. Like during school holidays, we'd go for trips in the truck with dad. And I remember, like my brother, because we were closest in age. Like it was, it's like three years between us, and um, so during school holidays, we'd have to take it in turns. 
to go for trips. And you, a lot of the time it would just be to Melbourne and it was we do that in a day. Yeah. Like get up at five in the morning, mm. go to Melbourne and you just sit in a yard while dad <laughs> you know, it's never very exciting. <laughs> but my brother he he loved it so much. And sometimes we got to go together, but it just meant that like one of us like would sit on the dashboard of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> but it got to the point where I did not care about going on these trips. Right. And my brother would be like, oh, suck it. I get to go to Sydney <laughs> with dad. Suck it. It's my. And I go, oh, no, you can, you can have a more, mate. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> now my brother's an interstate truck driver. Is he really? so, yeah. And is he based in Albury as well? No, in, in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, he loves it. And he's like, he left school at 16 and worked for the same company as dad. And once yeah. he was old enough to get his truck license, it was like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Have you been on any trips with him? Yeah, a few times. And it's fun. Like, it's just the same. Like, I think I stopped wanting to go in the, in the truck once I hit puberty because the, like, there's not a, the suspension wasn't great <laughs> back then. And yeah. when you got boobs growing, it's like, <laughs> oh. This isn't fun. <laughs> Did you ever, uh, you ever see your dad? You hear about the old truckies back in the eighties and nineties getting into, you know, they have to stay awake for long periods of time. Was your dad having to do that? And was he into the, the steel knocks and all that? Um, was it was it steel knocks or the and speed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't. No, never. And but it's at the same time, it's like I would have been blind. Like I never would have known about that anyway. Yeah. But I I think he worked for a um like a good company that had they weren't kind of worried well, obviously were fine with how much hours they could work. Right. They were like mm. like I remember dad filling in logbooks and stuff. And everything seemed above board, but when you don't know mm. like like, it wouldn't surprise me if my brother turned around and said, oh, dad was, <laughs> you know, doing dodgy stuff all the time, yeah. you know. But as far as I know, he was legit, but yeah. who knows. Did he have the truck with the bed behind the seat? Yeah. yeah so and we used to, um, like, if we weren't sitting on the dashboard, you'd be sitting on the bed. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. The best part was, the fun part was, like, if both of us were – in the oh, even just one of us. I used to love standing because there was room and it was high enough to stand up. So you'd stand up on the bed and just surf, essentially. <laughs> and then it, you know, if it went around corners, you just kind of let yourself go and fall over onto the bed. It yeah. was that was pretty fun. Yeah, that does sound like a good time. Um, what, what was school like in Albury? Going up? Were you into the the drama or anything like that? Did you like to performing? Yeah, for sure. I did. Um, like in, in high school, I did drama um, and then actually it started in primary school. I did Val Edmonds Children's Theatre and I did that from <laughs> until I finished high school. Is this a, a, an Australia-wide thing or an Albury-based? It's an Albury. It's a woman. It's run by Val Edmonds <laughs> <laughs> who I think is is still alive but seemed very old when I started. Right. But she was probably only – 50, 50 yeah. you know. Mm. But we would do the Estedford every yes. year. Yeah. Rock so, Stanford. you know, you'd do monologues or duologues or <laughs> just small dramatic pieces <laughs> and you perform in the Estedford. Got so many medals because <laughs> no one else is willing to go up against <laughs> Val Edmonds Children's Theatre. Um, and then so you do that for the first half of the year and then the second half of the year was all about – the um the end of year, such as we do a pantomime, right? And when if you got a lead in that, it was like, oh, you yeah yeah you did you? Get I that? got the lead a couple of times. Did you? Not the big lead. Oh, actually, no, I did get a lead once. It was great, but essentially it was just like once you'd been there for long enough, you got to you got to be in it. But they were great. After uh, after you'd finish, a, you know, a, a Stedford or something, did you celebrate by going? I was very keen to ask you this. It's a bit of a Aubrey. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of in the fabric of Aubrey people, and I've been there a couple of times. Sweethearts. Um, oh mate, sweethearts was not for 
after children's theatre. <laughs> Sweethearts was after you'd been. <laughs> it's if you when you're a dried up <laughs> actor from children's theatre and you're you're a washed up child actor and then you find yourself at, at Sweethearts Pizza. Oh. <laughs> I'll go back to Sweethearts, but after every performance, it was always a McDonald's Sunday. Like oh, we'd go to McDonald's yeah. and get a and get a chocolate Sunday. One of the beauties of growing up in a bigger country town that you had. Yeah, so my country town was a bit too small until it finally got to. Tw- I think twelve thousand is the the size uh, you need for a McDonald's from memory, and we got to twelve, and it was a big celebration when. Well, we, we got, got McDonald's. We had one like in the city, but we were living like a bit. It's not out of town. It was in a suburb, essentially. Like, it was still – like, it was five kilometres away or something. <laughs> Do you know, like, it wasn't that far away. But then I remember the day that they built a McDonald's in in our suburb. Yeah. And my sister, she goes, oh, mate, I've got the best surprise for you. <laughs> she goes, get on your bike, come on, and ride up this big hill. And she goes, look at that, it's McDonald's. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> So far though, um, but we yeah. So we'd always have a McDonald's Sunday after, like after doing like any end of year concert or mm. a Steadford or whatever. And it's like oh yeah, use food to congratulate your children. <laughs> Works, but Sweethearts. I mean, you you went to Sweethearts when you're eighteen, when you're old enough. Mm. It was like because it was open. All night. Is it 24 hours? Is that right? Or at least till like three or four, isn't it? Yeah. It must be at definitely the same time the nightclubs are open. Yeah. And there was a nightclub called The Ritz, which is something else now. I think maybe the Bended Elbow is oh, what yeah. it was last time I was there. But you weren't when you went to The Ritz, you had to wear appropriate footwear. <laughs> like it was the classic, you're not in no shoes, but... Sweethearts would hire <laughs> shoes. So if you were nice enough, oh, yeah. they'd go, I'll oh, just go over to Sweethearts and you can hire a pair of leather <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I, I've been told, uh, a mate, Tom Seagott, who you'd know through Stanford. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He grew up in Wodonga and sweet, you know, that, that, that street that Sweethearts is almost where the best nightlife was in yeah. that area. Dean Street. Dean Street, yeah. And he. Dean Street, and you used to do Deanies. Did he tell you about that? Is that a lap? In yeah. Your yeah. Let's yeah. go chuck a Deanie. <laughs> it was my childhood. Um, yeah, he said many times he would go get go with thongs on and then get home at 4 a.m. with these massive shoes <laughs> on that didn't fit him properly. <laughs> um Oh, yeah, Sweethearts, by the way, if you're ever in Albury, oh, just stop it's in. It's absolutely – Some of the best potato gems I've ever had at 2 o'clock in the morning. What's a potato gem? It's like a little – just like a little square, oh, like a yeah, little yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. Deep fried potato, little, little ball. Little puffy potatoes, yeah. yeah. Sensational. Um, you're very laid back. You're, you're sort of no, – You're very laid yeah, back. Yeah, I know. This is what I'm <laughs> getting to. Um, I – I put that down to growing up in a country town. Do you think that's sort of what? Makes I guess so. Cool, calm and collected. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Like it's just that one of those things where you know, I guess I've always been like that. So mm. you know, and I think you're the same. It's not like we're putting it on. No, I find when I go home, everybody is sort of beaten to the same drum that I am. But yeah. When I come here, I'm yeah. I feel like people are like, geez, yeah. Really laid back. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. In 2001, mm-hmm. you came down the Hume Highway. And yeah, you had right. to go at stand-up comedy for the first time in raw comedy, which is, is a nas- national comedy competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you hadn't quite moved to Melbourne then. You were just a couple of weeks off moving to Melbourne. You came down and did I had it. no plans at that time, essentially, of moving to Melbourne. I had um, – I was working at – the cinema in Albury. So I was 20 – I think I'd just turned 21 maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'd done, a, I'd done a year at uni. Actually, I didn't even last a year. So I did, yeah, a bit of uni went, oh, that's no good. <laughs> and then kind of – Just a Bachelor of Arts. Right. And just, yeah, I really struggled with kind of form 
uh, structured education system that we have. So it just didn't suit me at all. Um, so I left and moved back home um, and, yeah, got got a job in, in the local cinema. And for me, like I was been there for about a year or so, just working part-time and living at home. And then also I moved out into a flat, but I was like, oh, this is the dream. Yeah. I just went, I get free movies. <laughs> like sometimes I can take popcorn home. Uh, and I had a good group of friends that I worked with. Yeah. And like we'd go out on, you know, on the weekends, yeah. go to bloody sweethearts <laughs> and the Ritz and stuff. And I just thought, I just, one day I'll just, I'll meet my husband one night when we're out. <laughs> I'll, and I can just continue my life working yeah. at the cinema, working part-time, and yeah. I'll be a housewife. I'm like, that was the dream. Because there's other ladies that I worked with that have been working at the cinema for, you know, 30 years yeah. or something. Yeah. And there there was a couple that worked there. There was one woman, Lynn, who worked – that's such a great name, Lynn, um, who worked in the in the candy bar and her husband wasn't was one of the projectionists. Mm. And it was just like – that's what I want. Yeah, dream couple. Yeah. You'd just try and take him off her at that point. <laughs> <laughs> just living the, the dream. And then mum one day was like, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> because you can't work at the cinema for the rest of your life. And I went, oh, well, fine. <laughs> and I went, I guess oh, I'm going to do comedy. And where, where did that – obviously you must have had some sort of interest in it before that time. Yeah, certainly from in drama. Like I'd always wanted to be an actor. That was my – that's how I got involved in Val Edmonds Children's <laughs> Theatre was when I was sitting at home. I was one of my earliest – like I was sitting at home one day and mum was reading the paper and it was, uh, I was watching the TV and then there was a car ad that came out. I don't know for what sort of car it was, but I turned to mum and I said, Mum, when I'm older – I'm going to have a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and she went, oh, really? And I went, yes, because I'm going to be a famous actor. <laughs> and she went, well. And then she's looking, because she's reading the post, she goes, well, we better enroll you into Val Edmonds Children's <laughs> Theatre then. <laughs> and so that's that's how I started going. So I, for me, it was always I wanted to put, and, so, and then in high school in a drama class one day, uh, we had to do this scene, like this, the teacher had written up lines on the board and he goes, just interpret it however you want mm. had to interpret, you know, whatever you want it to mean. And I did it and then everyone laughed and I went, guys, <laughs> I was trying to be serious this time. <laughs> and my drama teacher was like, Jesse, you know what this means? And I went, oh, that I can't act. And he went, well, no, that that you're a comedian and you should, you should try comedy. So... Right. So I had done a little bit of comedy in mm. in high school, but yeah, not much in between. Yeah. And then so yeah, when Raw came up, it was like, oh yeah, I I've done a couple of gigs. Yeah, I could do this. And the couple of gigs I'd done was one night at a in high school, friends were in a band, and they'd organise a variety night. And then when I turned eighteen, I was like, oh, I can come to your next mm. night, your next thing at the pub, and they were like. You should do a do a spot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you don't know anything. You go, yeah, no worries. <laughs> it was the worst. It was so bad. <laughs> I died. I died so bad. But it, you know, it didn't matter. And then, and then I did a gig uh, in a kibbutz in Israel. Really? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is taking a. Where did you end up over there? From. Well, I was Catholic, and um, I went to World Youth Day. <laughs> And it was like I just I went. To, I was actually I was, I was quite Catholic, and my best mate at the time like was it worked for the church in youth services or whatever, and she said you because she was getting paid to go. Mm. So she's like, "Why don't you, you should come on this trip?" And she said, "St Patrick's are looking to sponsor someone, and no one's put up their hand yet." So, <laughs> and I went. All right, so I applied. It was the only application. So I got <laughs> half my trip paid for by the local church. I'm like, oh, this is the best. Thanks, guys. First time. First time uh, overseas. And we went to – there was a whole group of us, though, you yeah. know. There was, there was maybe 200 of us that all went 
or maybe not that many. It felt like heaps of it. So we went to we spent two weeks in Israel. So one we spent like a week at Saint Elizabeth Kibbutz. <laughs> um, and so it was just like being on school camp yeah. again. There was lots of, you know, it was World Youth Day, so it was just all youth. So it was just all. Um, so we, one night they had a, a talent show, and I got up and did some stand up. Mm. But it was all jokes that I'd I'd um, stolen from Greg Sullivan. <laughs> really, <laughs> he knows Where? about it, and I paid him for it. Where had you seen his stand up? I, well, I went to university in Queensland, in Toowoomba, okay. yeah. and the house that I lived in had an office up the front of it, uh, and his sister worked in that office. Oh, yeah. And so I'd, I'd seen, I think it was at some random gig that I saw him and went, oh, those, I just committed these jokes to memory. <laughs> and then and then did it at this, at this talent night. And George Pell... Was on this trip. What? Yeah, <laughs> and did he, he see your show. Yeah, yeah, he was there on the on the talent show night, and he came up to me afterwards, and he, he shook my hand. And he goes, "Oh, I am your biggest fan." That was <laughs> ter- can't put that on a poster anymore. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I don't think there's many stand ups in Australia that can say they did their second gig. In front of in, in George Pell in a kibbutz in Israel. <laughs> I mean, there's any comedian actually that could say yeah. they did that with none of their own original material. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I did have one original joke in there. I can't rem- remember what it was. So I had done that. So it was kind of this when Mum was going, "You got to do something with your life." I went, "Oh, all right. I'll give. I'll do comedy. I'll make. I'll." I'll make an effort to do comedy. And she's like, hey, you're going to do that. And I was on the computer at the time. I was like, I'm, I'll do this. And I entered <laughs> raw comedy yeah. then. So so I went down to, I think, oh, yeah, my dad, maybe dad drove me down the first time. In the truck? Maybe. No, in the car. No, dad, <laughs> it was definitely – no, the first time I can't remember. I might have went down with a friend or something. But I won my heat. Um, and then with your own material, with my own material, <laughs> and then because I didn't, the only experience of comedy I had was from a kibbutz and a local <laughs> local pub in Albury that doesn't for a non comedy night. <laughs> I went, like I won my heat, and then went, oh fuck, I've got to write another five minutes. <laughs> right. I think I might. I went. I think. Oh, I went. I think I can get away with doing this bit again, and then I just. Repeated. Um, I just wrote like a another new bit for it, and then it was like I remember being at the the next round and people going, "Oh yeah, can you believe that people like just write a brand new set for the like you just do the same set?" And I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god, <laughs> what an idiot!" People no still idea. fall into that trap now in raw yeah. see them at the heats, and they think you need to write a brand new five. Yeah, like, no, you need to do one five for twenty times, and then it'll be. <laughs> Good. Schmicko. Yeah. Right. So you so you win your heat, you head back home. Win my heat, head back home. Shoulders and then back, obviously, chin up. You must have been pretty keen to oh, tell mate, mum that you'd beside myself with this guy. And also Triple J were there and there was some that I did a little interview beforehand. They were like, Oh hey, we're just um, you know, getting doing a little bit of story on it and yeah. I just thought that they were there all the time. I was like, oh, yes, what about, yeah, cool. You know, yeah. did my little interview. And then um, they played that on the radio. And I remember I got home and mum goes, I was doing the dishes at the time. Mum goes, just to let you know, your father heard you on the radio today. <laughs> and I was like so proud. I'm like, oh, my God, how exciting. And she went, um, he just he doesn't know why you need to swear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fuck off. No. <laughs> I didn't do that. But I just went, Oh God. And then and it's this weird thing when I um the local ABC local, I had a think I had a, a friend of my sister that worked for ABC local radio and they're like, Oh, we'll get you to come in to do an interview. Yeah. So but had to do that in in Melbourne. 
because they were broadcasting out of Melbourne. So they're like, yeah, just jump down on the train and come down. <laughs> and so there I am sitting outside, you know, going in to do this interview for ABC Local. But it was just next to the studios for, for Triple J. And so the woman that had interviewed me was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Come in. Do you want to <laughs> hang out for a bit? And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, any questions at all you want to ask? I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, happy to be here. When's Dr. Carl coming? Oh, my God, this is this is great. Like it was, you know, and then they were like, oh, we're going out for lunch. Do you want to come? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I just kind of I went out for lunch with all these people from Triple J and I look back on it now and go, was that a job interview? Like was I just – because they kept on – Asking me things like, "Oh, how about this?" and "What do you think about this?" Yeah. and and you know, being from the country and laid back, it was just like, "Oh, yeah, cool, <laughs> <It's> great, <laughs> great." Just you know, there's a certain kind of when you know you're not networking, it's yes. like it's so much easier. Mm, but then absolutely. at the same time, you go, "Oh, you're you're an idiot." <laughs> yeah. right. So you come back again. You come back to Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you, you I moved, kept on so going you, off tangent. That's all right. So, so you I moved had back. You actually actually. Once you went back with that heat victory, you decided to move to Melbourne. Well, my cousin had come to the heat and he was like, hey, so when are you going to move to Melbourne? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess one day, like I've got to, you know, quit my job at the cinema. That'll be hard. (laughs) And, you know, I've got to find somewhere to live and stuff. For me, it was always, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah. But then he, he said, well, I've got a spare room at my place. I'm looking for a housemate at the moment. I went... Oh, okay then. So I went home and went. Oh, I'm going to move in with with um with my cousin with Matt, and he lived like out in was out of Burwood, but I didn't know. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to move to Melbourne, and so so two two weeks later after the heat was the 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 semi final, and Dad and I we packed up the car and he drove me there, and yeah. so I moved to Melbourne the night of the um. The day of the the semi-finals, yeah, and I thankfully made it through to that, to the state finals, and then um, I didn't get through on the state finals. But I was like, oh well, this is great. I met a lot of people. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> fine. Um, and then I was in the um, in Centrelink having my <laughs> <laughs> interview <laughs> when I got the call from from Festival going, oh, oh we're going to give you a wild card, yeah. And it was during my interview, I would just, like, a, I had this shitty mobile phone. It was the first time, you know, it was 2001. So, it was just like, oh, I'm going to take this phone call in the middle of this interview. And then was like, it was so exciting. And, and, but the great thing, the Centrelink guy was really excited for me as well. He's like, oh, this is great. You probably won't need to be doing this for much longer. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. So now you've you've moved to Melbourne. You've mm-hmm. you know you've made the raw final. You play second. Is that correct? Runner yeah. up. I call it yeah. I call it runner up, but they call it special commendation or something <laughs> like that. Which I went no, oh, no, I'll take runner up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how, how long? So then you you sort of just got into the Melbourne scene and started gigging around. It took people. me a while. Right. It really did. I reckon it was about a. I reckon I did about three or four gigs in that first year after mm. raw. Because I, once again, did not know anything. Yeah. You know, so I, in my head, I went home after coming runner-up in Raw and just went, well, that's it. I'll just uh, wait for people to call me now. <laughs> like everybody knows. I, I just assumed that every single person knew who I was yeah. and knew that uh, I could do comedy and was just going to book me for yeah. stuff. And it took me... <laughs> It took me a while to figure out that, nah, it's not how it works, mate. But I did do – I was lucky enough to do a couple of gigs. And then once I figured it out, I – it was easy to to get gigs. Mm. Like I'd ask them, like, oh, hey, can I have a spot? And they go, oh, yeah, we saw you on – you did Raw. So that made it a bit easier. And then I was doing a lot of gigs – at the Comics Lounge, mm-hmm. I think I ended up once I I was living like a couple of blocks from the lounge, and one of my best mates was working behind the bar there, yeah. 
and on they'd have these impro workshops on Wednesday afternoons, and that's when I met, um, became good mates with Harley, okay, and a few other people. So we do these impro workshops and and gig a lot together, and then that's I ended up doing my first comedy festival show with Harley and Wayne Dixon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I saw the title of that when I was looking on your website earlier. What was the title of that show? It's a brilliant title. It's called A Harley-Shaped Hickey Called Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) We loved it. Yeah, it's great. That's a good way to come into a festival, just do a split show with a couple of other people. Oh, it was the best idea. And we were so, so funny because we just – that classic thing where we thought we knew everything and we're just talking – like even the venue – like we did it um, at uh, a place called Next Blue, which was upstairs from Galactic Circus. So it was all same company, right? But yeah, the show essentially was just us. We do um, like we had we had two halves, <laughs> like we had an interval in <laughs> our show in an hour. So we do like <laughs> like you know ten minutes each or something. Not even like it was seven to ten minutes. One of us would MC. We'd both do a spot. And then, and then after the interval, we do a bit of impro. Okay, it was fun. Yeah, George Denikian, the newsreader. Yeah, yeah. He came on opening night. <laughs> we were just like, oh man, we are yeah. up, up and away. Yeah. And also, some Wayne had a friend that was um was writing stuff for MX. Remember the MX yeah, magazine yeah, exactly. that you get on the on the train. Yeah. And she gave us a four and a half star review. <laughs> just like, this is the best night out. I'm yeah, like, this is great. Yeah. And I think we made our money back on opening night just oh. because we didn't spend anything. You know, we paid, there was a rego fee, which at the time was like, I think $350. Yeah. And then we got the venue for free because <laughs> I just, <laughs> we talked our way into it. And then, um, oh, we got sponsorship. So we got. Wayne's local hairdresser, <laughs> so she, she cut our hair for free. So our posters were just filled with like all these brands. So we got a free haircut. So we're like, yeah, we'll put you on the poster. Uh, but the big one was um, from Echo Clothing because Harley had a mate who was a designer for them. So he's like, oh, yeah, we can – yeah, come on down. So they printed our posters, but they were just like on bits of paper and they're – yeah. On their printer. <laughs> they could just print A3 on their printers. We're like, yeah, sick. But then part of this sponsorship was they go, they go, oh, yeah, just come down to the warehouse. And they just went, off you go. And we just went through their warehouse and picked out, oh. they got a whole new wardrobe. Wow. And then, like, you know, so walking in the festival club, just being, oh, man, we are the coolest fucking kids here. <laughs> Haircuts, echo clothing. Yeah. <laughs> MX under your arm. Yeah. Um, that that's probably like the most. But then after that, when you went back to just doing your first solo show, was it a back to reality type thing? Because that just sounds like the dream. It does first <laughs> experience at the comedy festival. Definitely, what ninety percent of people don't experience. Ninety nine percent of people do not experience. Yeah, getting sponsors for their first <laughs> festival show. No one asks anymore. Yeah. I think I did. I think I did a. It was like two years later that I eventually did my first solo. So I did another group show and we got sponsored by Burley Bras. <laughs> so I got a free bra. Like, how were you, you, you chasing this up yourself? Well, I think this is what everyone did at the time. Like you just asked. No one asked for it anymore. I, know, you just, I think we just sent a letter to, you know, to Pacific Brands going, hey, we're three young, you know. <laughs> Women with boobs. <laughs> this is in the second show, Sweet, Dry and Daft. <laughs> we went, yeah, and they went, oh, yeah, great, yeah, put our put our brand on your poster. Sure, you can have a bra. And they'd send us all the bra. It was great. Um, but it just seemed – certainly within my group, that was what everyone was doing to try yeah. and cope with cost. But you never ended up getting any money. Either. You just get free stuff. So. Yeah. But yeah, and then so when I did my first solo show, it was I, I felt really prepared because I'd done two other festivals with other people. So I was like, I think I know what I'm doing. And I did Melbourne Fringe first. Right, yeah. That was a bit of a wake up call. I'll be, like I did, and I was I did it at um it's now Long Play, but it used to be Glitch Bar and Cinema, 
um, because we ended up, we had a um, impro, all the, there was a group of us that were all doing impro classes together that formed our own impro group called Mm. Cut and Paste Impro. Nice. Um, And we do gigs at Glitch every fortnight. Mm -hmm. So I knew that space and stuff. So it was like, oh, could I do Fringe, Melbourne Fringe there? And like, yeah, great. And I remember I was, I just didn't plan having a tech and stuff like that <laughs> and how if people were going to come. Yeah. So on opening night, it was like I think I had the – whoever was doing the show before me, I'm like, oh, hey, can you stick around and just help me <laughs> just set things up? And and I think she had a few people in her audience like, do they want to come to my show? It was like I don't think yeah. I'd sold any tickets or anything. So I just had like six people in this show yeah. that would been to the last show. But I just remember going, oh, got a lot of work <laughs> to do in terms of like I'd put all the work into the actual show yeah, and I just didn't think about anything else surrounding it. Um, didn't chase any sponsors for that one? No, I thought, oh, <laughs> I'm all right with this. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, chasing the sponsors, that was always someone else doing that. Oh, I was right, just, yeah. you know, going, oh, yeah, sick, let's do that. <laughs> so it was, you know, the admin side of stuff I was never the the best at. But, but Melbourne Fringe, I – I'm so that was for me. It was having that experience would pre- help prepare me for my first solo season in in Melbourne yeah. for sure. Like it helped in that you know people from festival came to see the show and and liked it. And I think that really helped in me getting a festival managed venue. Right, yeah. And so I had a had quite a good run that first that first time. So what what year did you do your first solo show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival? 05 at Fringe, so 06. Right, yeah. For Melbourne. So then you did a show every year after that, up until. Almost. Yeah. I, did, I think I took a, a year off. I did, the next year I did Trucker's Daughter, <laughs> which which really did you felt play like. Ian Moss's Tucker's Daughter yeah. as your intro or outro for that? I think I had 10 4, 10 4. What is that? Yeah, the convoy. Yeah, Convoy. Yeah, yeah. Certainly used that. I did Trucker's Daughter. Then I did Misguided, mm-hmm. which is like M M I S S Guided. Oh, and it was yes. all about being a girl guide. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Then the year after, I did Hammer and Tong, which I think, oh, no. Hammer and Tong and Lorraine's Hair and Face, mm-hmm. which was a <laughs> musical comedy with Scott Brennan and Andrea Powell. And one of my favourite things that I've ever done and I wish we could do it again. And then the year after I did another solo show, but essentially like I didn't write a new show. It was a bit of a best of. Like it was just a stand-up show with old bits and a bit of new bits and stuff. And that was just like on a late-night show, like on week like that that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 10.45. Yeah. So tell me about your uh, 2010 Show you did a gig in Adelaide, was it? You did a gig in Adelaide where you came out, yeah, as gay yeah. during the show. Was this a, a gig or a festival? You did that. It was at um, it was at a gig, and it was at Hannah Gadsby's and Amelia Jane Hunter did a late night show called Pony Club. Right. So they were essentially just had this show where both of them were the hosts of the show, and they get special guests on, and it's just a bit of a late night muck around type thing and Hannah was like oh do you want to come and do a spot I was like oh yeah that'd be great and then she said oh just so you know there's a theme for the night like it's it's very loose but the theme is boy or girl and I went okay cool no worries and then I hung up the phone and I remember just going oh well I'll just I'll just come out then (laughs) like that was my I hadn't it was so weird because I hadn't been it's not like I'd been planning or thinking about or even acknowledging that I was gay. It was just this – I none of that – and that just popped up and went, oh, yeah, I'll just go with that. Because yeah. obviously being gay, like I, oh, it was never – I, I had come out just – when I first moved to Melbourne, I think I, I had other friends that um, – because I was quite Catholic at mm. the time. So being gay wasn't really – like I just went, oh, well, that's not allowed. Yeah. 
and then I had another friend that I met on when we went to Israel and to Rome for World Youth Day. She came out and she I remember we were out one night, she goes, Oh, this is don't tell anyone. It was all kind yeah. of secretive, but yeah. this is um this is my girlfriend and I'm like, Oh my god And I remember thinking, Oh fuck Well maybe if it if she's if it's all right for her mm. then I could do it as well. So I came out to her and stuff. So I was out for a, a little bit, but not to the whole. So what So what sort of year would have that been? How long before that? That was like 2000 and 2000. Right. Yeah, so 2001. So, yeah, 21. Yeah, like obviously being Catholic, you would have thought, you know, being raised like that, that it's bad. And then also like country towns. I Like I grew up in a country town and I, yeah. I don't think I knew any. Well, growing up, I, I'm sure there was. Yeah, but you didn't but, you know, know about it. But in yeah, a town yeah. like that, it's just not. Yeah. Like, people just. Because you, know, you didn't. Yeah. Since we've finished school, people have come out as gay. Yeah. And it's kind of, it sucks to think they probably knew in high school but had to yeah. you know, not say that. Or yet. they were like me and had no idea because right. it was like I didn't even consider it as an, as an option mm. essentially in high school. Like it was just like, you know. Oh, I'm not. And then, so when I came out when I was like 21, I just kind of went, oh, this is because I couldn't tell everyone. Mm. And then it kind of, it just didn't feel, it still didn't feel right. And I went, there's, there's so many stereotypes that I didn't fit. And I thought, well, I mustn't be gay because I don't fit all the stereotypes. So I kind of, I went back in. And when you right. go back in, oh, you, it's like it took so many years to come back out again because it was like I don't know I've I thought I was but yeah. I wasn't you yeah. know so I have to stick to my guns this yeah, time yeah. otherwise I don't want to be that person that goes yeah. no I am mummy I'm not mm. I and so then once it got to that boy or girl thing that was me just going oh can you stop fucking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's time so and I remember I um. I was kind of, you know, worked, spent the day kind of writing some jokes about, like I just kind of got up. At, the plan was that I'd get up and go um, do some jokes and then go, listen, I've always maintained that I've been into boys, but truth is I'm kind of into girls and, mm. you know, I should have picked up on the signs. Like I played a lot of softball and I just went through yeah, all these yeah. classic stereotypes and I like to go to Bunnings or whatever. <laughs> And I was, so I was trying – and then I called Kate McLennan at the time and she was I'm like, hey, mate, listen, I just need some help with some – I'm just trying to write some jokes. And honestly, it was the only reason why I was <laughs> calling her to – I just wanted a few extra – like what are some stereotypes that I could, you know. Yeah. And so I went through – I told her everything. And she went, oh, yeah, oh, I guess you, this, this and that. And she just went along and then hung up the phone and then she was like – she told me later, she goes, she hung up the phone and just went – Oh, oh fuck! I think Jesse just came out, <laughs> and then I did the same. Edo was in town, so I hung out with her for a bit, and we just yeah. had sat there and had a cup of tea. And same thing with her; she's like, "Oh yeah, cool." Just really casual about it. She's going, yeah. "Yep, no worries." And so, because everyone was really casual, and then I got up and I, I did the gig, and and did it, and you know, because I was more worried about the jokes, right. Than the actual coming yeah, right, coming out yeah. bit, so I was like, "Oh, I hope these jokes fucking work." <laughs> and so when I when the jokes, were, I was like, "Oh, fuel, yeah, great!" And then I finished and walked off stage and walked off stage. That's walking through the audience mm. to the back of the room. I think it was like in in the gardens, so I was you know in a tent. And then um, Hannah goes, "Just sorry, just so everyone is aware." <laughs> Jess, that was like your official coming out, wasn't it? And I just went, oh, yep. <laughs> and the audience just went, Rah! Oh, great. So, so the, the, my next year's show that I did was called um, Turns Out I Do Like Sun-Dried Tomatoes. <laughs> um, and so it was just about, yeah. you know, coming out. Was, was, was that whole, doing the whole show about it and was that quite cathartic and like that you now you knew – that you were, and yeah. That you could- like things had certainly changed at the time. I remember mm. Harley, like we worked on a lot together. Like we'd just sit at the pub and and talk and stuff. And he goes, and like I remember he'd say, 
like you just like you were always you on stage, but yeah. now you're now you're really you yeah. on stage. Like you 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 can notice the the difference. But so the show was essentially about, I guess, why it took so long, and then also having having to tell my parents and how they reacted to it and mm. and stuff. Um, and how did they? Oh, not good. No, <laughs> <laughs> not good to be. Dad, dad was really good, um, but mum. Mum just took a took a little bit of time mm. to to it to get used to it. She was, you know, I mean, they're still in the country, yeah. you know, and they're still they're conservative, and so they it was, you know, an an adjustment for them for mm. sure. But you know, they've been. I found out like I ended up um, writing a letter because I told Mum on the phone, and she was like, "Do you want to tell you? Uh, do you want to tell your father?" I'm like, "Oh no, you can." You can tell him. <laughs> and then she was like, I don't – she ended up messaging me the next morning saying, I, I don't think it's a good idea that I tell your father. Yeah. I think you should do that. And something else in there that made me really upset um, that I blocked from my memory. But I ended up sending mum and dad an email mm. just kind of explaining it all. And then um, I found out later that – Mum had printed out that email and would carry it around in her bag. And really? so, yeah, just see people go, oh, have a look what Geraldine's done. <laughs> She's come out. So it's little things like that that you don't know about your, your parents and you find out later and you go, oh, okay, it was maybe it was being a bit yeah. uppity, bit precious about right. how you reacted. Yeah. So essentially they were – and they've been, you know, terrific since. Yeah. Well, mum has for sure, so – Dad's got dementia, so he's gone. Right. He's gone a bit homophobic in his okay. dementia days. How, how did you find your with your stand up and your writing? Did you find that you just had this new lease on everything that you could explore for you know talk about things that are a bit more? Yeah, depth? for sure. I met. I got so much cleaner in oh, my really? yeah. <laughs> so because I had so many dick jokes, but it was so oh, I cringe at them now. I just go. This is the worst. <laughs> like I just remember, like I did so much stuff on on sex, mm. and just like yeah, I can talk about whatever I want. <laughs> on sex and like, like, no one wants to hear about you having sex, you know. Well, maybe that, but I just <laughs> you know, I just I found it. I had more confidence to explore a bit more of the everyday kind of stuff, like trying mm. to make the everyday funny, you know, like. Trying to write jokes about just normal things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you do. Uh, you've since in the last sort of three years, you've moved into radio as well here in Melbourne. Yeah, doing Triple R, the mornings morning show. Doing the breakfast show. Breakfast. When, sort of, when did radio sort of come as a bit of an interest to you? Many years ago, I actually did. Um, it was two thousand and nine, I think, that I did. Um, I went to uni and I'm. Managed to finish something, although technically I didn't graduate because I didn't. I think I didn't return a library book or something. One of those little, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, who cares? I don't need the piece of paper. I know that I've that I passed everything. Um, but I got my um, postgraduate in commercial radio um, from Swinburne, and the only thing that I learnt from doing that course, essentially, was the main thing that I learnt was I never want to work in commercial radio. <laughs> The amount of bureaucratic decisions that are made mm. in in place of the creatives yeah. in there, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why wouldn't you get? I'm like, no, and their attitudes like, no, it's, we know what we're doing. Yeah, we know how radio works. Yeah. We're you know we wear ties and suits. <laughs> we know we know what's going on. It's like, do you? Like, you yeah. sit in a fucking office and and I just found it really. Oh my god, I. I hope I never have to do it. But at the same time, I was like, oh, so much money. <laughs> but also, I was very much aware that there probably wouldn't be a place for me in commercial radio. Right. And it was like, well, that's fine. I don't want you. <laughs> anyway, but it's still, I still loved radio. So it wasn't – I think it was maybe – a year or two after that, that um, the podcast started becoming yeah. a thing. So I was like, "Oh, I know how to 
do shit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so that's when I did our podcast, The Downloads. That was just Kate and, and Edo. Yeah. And Edmunds, Kate McClellan. Yeah. yeah. And we we basically, we just talked about the footy. So we'd go to a footy match each weekend. We'd go to the footy and then we'd just talk about our experience yeah. at the footy. So we had our, our regular segments, like we had the public transport review, <laughs> the food review, like call of the day, <laughs> drop kick of the week. <laughs> so we just kind of go through them and just chat about stuff and yeah. we'd have a special guest on and stuff. And it was it was just fun and, and silly and – but, it, you know, it was a big commitment having to go to the footy and – Yeah. And also we didn't have – you know, we didn't have equipment to record any of it. So the first, the f- most most of the episodes were recorded at at Old Stereo because we had a guy, a friend who would do the paneling for us. Because as much as I had done my course, I didn't pay attention too much in the paneling, <laughs> so I couldn't do it. And so we had yeah this friend who had done a bit of paneling work for Osterio, so he still had his pass. Mm. So on Monday nights we'd sneak in. Oh, great. And sit at Eddie McGuire's desk <laughs> and record our podcast. Oh, excellent. Um, and then, you know, he'd send me the file and I'd edit it and put it out and stuff. And so it was from – like he just got a bit um, – after we did it for a year, it was like, oh, I don't think we could do it again. Yeah. Like, it's just a big commitment. Yeah. Um, Especially three people getting three together. Yeah. So, it was yeah. quite amazing that we did it for as many as we did. We did it for one forty season, so it was like 22 episodes or yeah. something like that. So, it was just, you know, it was such a <laughs> fun, fun time. And then it was, you wouldn't do it the next year. And then the year after, Triple R, the station manager at the time, the sorry, the content no what's the program manager that's what i'm looking at. program manager at the time called me up and he said oh would you be interested in, in doing the download like i love the podcast would you come in and do it for a summer feel so it was like just four weeks yeah. on a thursday night so i'm like hey you want to get the team back together <laughs> and they're like yeah kate was like nah triple r listeners buy tickets to things they're a loyal audience <laughs> and so we did it thinking that it was just going to be four weeks mm. and then then after that they said it was really great. We do you want to do Sundays? Yeah. Um, and then we so we went. Yeah, we'll do it. And then it was. I think by April, Kate had to leave, so she only did a couple of months because mm. then she had she was pregnant, so she had to leave and have a baby. That's fair enough. <laughs> um, and Edo just started getting quite busy. She was on tour. Yeah. A lot, and then so I got. Your mate Laura Dunham and to come in yeah. and co-host with me, yeah, quite a few times, and then, and then at the end of th- that year, I, I got offered the job to do breakfasters, so yeah. it was really kind of the, the dream run. It all started from that podcast. Yeah, it's um, it seems like a pretty cool gig. The I love Monday it. To Friday. The best thing about it, I think, is it's the regular work. So I love that. And also, we're very lucky in the, we all get along really well. We're mm-hmm. quite a good team. So it's yeah. Sarah Smith um, and Jeff Sparrow, and like with three completely different people, but mm. just have this good chemistry on air. I think, and I like we're just really, really lucky. Like we did, we had done a a fill for the the team before us when they went on holiday. Um, so we did two weeks filling in for them and I th- I suspect that when we did that they kind of went well hello yeah yeah it's a good fit yeah. yeah so so it's great and I, I love it because it's the there's so much range we're all I think we're all very good at our each our individual roles and it's not like we just the interviews that we get to do we get to spend a bit of time and mm. it's not so Intense, like we had, and you know, you get a, a range of people. So we had Simon Baker in this week, who's like he's been on Oprah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, he was so. I'm like, this is a Hollywood star coming in, yeah. and he was so chilled, and you could tell that by the end that he really enjoyed the interview because he mm. he talked about at the start how it can be 
quite intense at, yeah. you know, the commercial stations, yeah. you know, because you get like four minutes and mm. it's, you know, whereas with us, you know, you get some more thoughtful questions yeah. and stuff. So it's, we're quite lucky to to have that. And, and then, you know, today we interviewed a guy about, about the Great Barrier Reef and where that's at mm. with the Adani mine and stuff. Yeah. And, and tomorrow we'll interview um, Julian Burnside. Right. And so you just have – like I learned so much. Yeah. And it's great because, you know, you kind of keep up to date with current events. And I noticed in my first year just how much I enjoyed – going out more because I could hold conversations because <laughs> I knew what people were talking yeah, about. that's great. You probably wouldn't get too much of that on the current – on the uh, commercial stations either. You'd, well, unless they were talking the about, you know. Paradise. Yeah. That's about all. Yeah. Does, do you find that's helped your stand-up as well? You've got a bit more to talk about there because you know more about – It's helped what? my stand-up in that my job on radio is to do the talk breaks. Yeah. So Jeff um, leads the interviews. So we all kind of take part in the interviews, you know, but Jeff kind of leads them. Sarah does all the music and if there's a talk break, it's just what yeah. are we going to talk about? Yeah. Um, and so that has helped most with my stand-up because in the first six months it was like I'd exhausted every story that I had. <laughs> and so you have to come up with new content. So yeah. it just makes me get out and, and do things and – read up on things and, and mm. stuff. So and also I started I started doing this this year is lying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got them I've only done it a couple of times. Like I'll just make up some story about something, you know, nothing too exciting. <laughs> but I, it's just because I've run out of <laughs> stuff and I'm and all of a sudden I just thought oh, I can just make stuff up. <laughs> they won't know. But I, you know, I did it once, and I told them that it was a lie, and they were, they were the other Sarah and Jeff were really annoyed. <laughs> like we trusted you. <laughs> oh, sorry, mates. And then this year, so you, you say so you're on the radio now for the rest of this year. Yep. And uh, you also had a great start to 2018 with your stand-up as well. Yeah. You just finished the Melbourne Comedy Festival, where you had a sellout run the entire festival. Pretty much. And the festival kicked off with you doing the. Oxfam Gala, Melbourne International yeah. Gala. And you first know time what, doing that? Yeah, first time. So that's must it like it was it a nice surprise when you got the call? Oh mate, that phone call. <laughs> I was actually at I still do some afternoon shifts at um in after school care. So I was I was actually at a school <laughs> getting yeah. the kids' afternoon tea ready. It's <laughs> in the kitchen and I went, Oh, I could I could take this phone call. So and it was Claire. She goes, oh, just wondering about your availability for something. And at the time I was like, oh, I don't have my diary on me. Like <laughs> I was really annoyed because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to go home and yeah. check my diary and then send a follow-up email. It's like, <laughs> damn it. And she said, oh, and then very quickly she just went, oh, it's for the, um, for you know, the 21st of March. Just wondering if um, you'd like to do the. The Oxfam Comedy Gala. Went, oh, no. And then I just kept on going, is this happening? On repeat, just going, is this happening? Went, yeah, it's happening. So I went, oh, my God. Because it was, you know, I've been doing, like it was 17 years after I'd done Raw. Yeah, yeah. So I'd given up. I'd given up on the gala. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just like, oh, it's fine. I don't need need the gala. But it was like... Oh, and it made it made such a difference, and I think it, it like that certainly helped in getting that that good run at, mm. at festival. But there was a few other things that contributed to it as well. Like you know, there was getting the gala. There was you know, I'd had I did comedy next gen. Yeah, so I had that had come out like a few weeks, yeah. or maybe the week or two weeks before. Mm. Um, so I had that and then I'd, I'd done a spot on Tonightly. Yeah. So it was a good – I was had a good run-up to festival and then I got some really good reviews in, in the first week yeah. and that helped a lot. Mm. And then I think I just um, – I think I did a really good show. I think 
that helped yeah. a lot as well. Like I, um, I I got a director this year for the first time that I've I hadn't done that for quite a while, so that really helped with in terms of structure and yeah. stuff. So, so I think you know there's a whole bunch of things that it all just Snowball. came together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a good um, good sort of example for people, you know, to. There are five years in and thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, that it's, yeah. That it's it all happens really quickly. It definitely when you start comedy, you think it, it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, um, but you and for some people it does. Yeah, oh, yeah, one in a thousand. Yeah, I would say. but then you soon realise that it's a you know it's a, it's a long game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, obviously you were saying you probably thought you wouldn't do the gala, but yeah, now we're sitting here and you've done it. Like I remember, yeah. like maybe five years ago. Oh, actually, it was heaps longer than that. It was many years ago. Um, I lived on the same street as Denise Scott in <laughs> in in Thornbury, and it was a year. There was there was Scotty, and a few doors down there was Quirk, <laughs> and then I was you know yeah a few hundred meters down the road, and I was I got off the tram one night. I was walking home. It was just as she was arriving home. Um, so it was like ten years ago. Um, she was arriving home. And she'd just finished her show. She'd done it at um, at the comedy theatre. And she's come in, have a drink. Come on, let's celebrate. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd often, quite often go down and have cups of tea with Scotty and yeah. stuff. She was great. Um, and she was like, yeah, come in. Let's, we're going to have some wine. And then I sent Quirk a text. She's like, get Quirk over here. So <laughs> he came over. And she we just sat there drinking red wine. And she was just saying... All I've ever wanted to do was perform comedy in a theatre, mm. and at the ripe old age of fifty, I got to do it for the first time wow, tonight, yeah. like to do my show. And I was like, "Oh, you're fifty? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, it, for me, it was yeah. like, oh, you're you're doing you're doing all right. Mm. Like, you just you know, you just keep going. Like, it, it's that classic. You got to run your own race. Yeah, like, who yeah. cares what everyone else is doing? You just keep." Yeah. Just keep going. And, you know, once you realise that there is no end game essentially, mm. like, you, you know, you have your goals and stuff that you'd like to achieve, but you just kind of go, oh, yep. Yeah. But you got to stay in the stay in the race to – Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you, do you think, moving forward? You just keep doing the radio and doing I'd, your gigs and uh, – Yeah. Just- I'd like to do radio for – oh, man, I'd like to do it forever, but mm. – it, it, I'm hoping that I'll get at least another year. And then it's funny because I'm always aware that radio is not going to last forever. Mm. So I'm always thinking what's what's going to happen. And it's – I think I just hit the road and do all the festivals yeah. and stuff. So I'm still – like it's still writing new shows each year because it was almost a time in the first year of radio that I thought, oh, maybe I could take this year off. Yeah. Um, there was like the second year in and it was actually like I was almost going to take the year off but I'd had a really good run the first year, you know, I'd kind of – I'd started – this is when I started making money yeah. at festival um, and then it was actually – it was actually my partner, my very beautiful and loving partner, Kath, <laughs> that said <laughs> – I said, oh, I'm thinking about taking like taking the year off Melbourne – and she went, oh, that's that's absolutely fine. But just think about how much money you made <laughs> at festival last year. Yeah. I was like, actually that's a that's a very good point. And yeah. it's and it's my job and it's good to stay in the game. I've seen so many people get those jobs outside yeah. of stand up that's related to comedy, but just kind of go, Oh, I've got this now, I'll just let the stand up yeah. go. Um, so I'm I'm very conscious to yeah, and you keep that up. You don't know if who's watching or that point of mm. you know they think oh we might give that person the gala next year and then they like I'm having a year off. You don't know that that's yeah you know, what's around the corner. So you yeah, need to kind of keep your finger on the pulse. So have you always been independent, self managed? No, I was with Anthony Manchetti looked after me for a bit, but yeah. he um does it, he had a few people that he managed. Yeah, at but all. N- but now are you? You do it all yourself? Do it all myself. Yeah. And you've done that for how long? Last few years? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, last three or four years maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah it's, it's, and it's 
it's great, but the amount of emails that I get now that that end with, should I just be sending this to you or do you have management <laughs> yeah, yeah. that I should go through? Um, I mean, it's nice not to 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 have – you know, that extra 15% that you don't have to pay to anyone mm. else. Um, but also, oh, man, I'm, I've never been good with admin. So, <laughs> um, if there's anyone out there would like to <laughs> manage me, oh, let's have a meeting. Yeah, great. All right. So, if they wanted to contact you, how can they get in contact? You got your, your bit on social media? All the, yeah, um, at Geraldine Hickey. Yeah. Uh, Facebook is Geraldine Hickey Comedian. I think. Um, but also you can go to my website, GeraldineHickey.com. Great. And uh, you can be heard on Triple R Breakfasters. Yep. Breakfasters. Yeah. Every morning, 6 till 9. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, and it, it's FM 102.7. Mm. Uh, but you can also listen online. You can stream yep. from all around the world at rr.org.au. So George would be able to, do you reckon he listens in, George Pell? Followed your career? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon he's got other things on his mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's it. Thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Thanks, Dan. We did take it easy. It was nice. (laughs) See ya. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, As Geraldine said there, you can contact her on her website, geraldinehickey.com. You can also get her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, they're at uh, Geraldine Hickey as well. Uh, Geraldine is spelled G-E-R-A-L-D-I-N-E. Hickey is H-I-C-K-E-Y. So look her up and get around her. Also, if you live in Melbourne, you can listen to her 6 till 9 a.m. Monday to Friday on Triple R, which is 102.7 FM. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, it's on iTunes. There's heaps of other episodes. It's number 13, so there's 12 more. You can listen back to, uh, if your friends don't have iTunes, uh, you can listen to it through my website, uh, which is danielconnell.com.au. There's a podcast section there. Uh, while you're at it, check out the gigs page. Uh, got a lot of gigs coming around Victoria or New South Wales, so come and check one out. Um, and while you're at it, if you're online, you might as well jump on Facebook and like my Facebook page, which is Daniel Connell Comedy, and I'm also Daniel Connell Comedy on Instagram as well. And that's it for this week. Cheers for listening. Take it easy. <laughs>